Thank you so much for being here, friends. It is my privilege to share this time with you in this glorious Sunday morning. But before we get to the message of this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you know what is a Christian family? <laughs> All right. What if you download the bulletin? Please go to the website, dchurch.us, look for the tab bulletins, and then get it. Or if you are watching through a big TV, simple. Thank you, Sebastian. Boom. There you go. Grab your phone, open the camera, point towards the QR code, and click on that link. There you will be able to download the bulletin of this message. We want to thank you for your support, especially to our dear church members. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome, generous, kind, and you trust in the Lord. And you are just hoping for great things, right? Amen. Well, this is what happens when you give to the Lord. He is going to bless you. Why is that? Because the Lord wants to bless people that are generous, period. Generous in general. But especially when you are generous with the church. You are generous with your church. You are generous with the people that are working for you. You realize that all these services we provide are free. We don't charge anything about it, but it's a good thing to say, I'm going to give some donation to this ministry. Thank you, Tracy, for the songs you have sung. They are beautiful. And thank you, Sebastian, for the work you are doing with our IT and the broadcast. So let's go to the message. Do you want to? <laughs> this is a beautiful picture of a family. It's just a family. But I wanted to use this as an illustration of what is one idea that we have, right? What, what a Christian family is. Well, when you say Christian, what is the idea that comes to mind? Well, initially, everyone who hears this is a Christian family, the first idea they got is religious people. And I don't know if you feel the same way that I feel, but I personally am done with religion. And, and I'm going to be very open here with you guys. Everyone that is too religious to me is the kind of person that I don't want to hang out with. You know, because religion is a series of traditions. Are they bad traditions? I don't think so. Are they cultural traditions? Maybe. But the thing is, to me, is very dogmatic. And they are somehow imposing. It's like you don't have any chance to say, well, I'm not sure about that. Let me give you an example. Diets. Some groups that are very religious are into certain diets that they say, ooh, you are eating this and that? Ooh. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Everyone has the right to choose their own meals, don't you think? You have the right to pick your food. If you eat or not eat meat, what kind of meat? If you eat or you don't eat seafood, which kind? If you eat bread or not, if you, I mean, if it's for healthy reasons, I get it. You know, for some of us, too much milk. <laughs> it's just a catastrophe written a few minutes later, right? 
So we know so there are some things like some people say when they come to my home and, you know, I love to cook and you know that. And I love being in the kitchen. And some people say to me, you know, I love this. But uh, that thing doesn't like my stomach. I get it. But religion sometimes is it's just simple things like food that people don't eat this or that because of their religion or many other things. Personally, I, I feel uncomfortable. You know, there are regulations. The Bible talks about certain things that we shouldn't eat in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament, okay? Because that is one of the big things here going on. But the Bible says do not eat this. This is Old Testament. It was something that if you go to the context, it's, it was needed for the purpose of hygiene and health. Okay. But you are entitled to eat whatever you want to eat. My point to you is this. In the New Testament, very clearly it says, do not eat anything that was part of a idolatry service, worshiping false gods, neither eating anything with blood. You know, there are some sausages made out of blood. So those are the things that were and are regulated in the New Testament. But other than that, actually says, Paul writing to the Christians in different cities, encouraged them to connect with them. He said it himself, you know, when I am with Jews, I'm going to be like them. When I am with Gentiles, meaning not Jews, I'm going to be like them. Like them. What would you do if you have a good friend as a co-worker, and they invite you to their birthday party, and they have a special meat or a special thing, and it's, it's special for them. Unless you really don't want to eat it, for whatever reason, you won't. But more likely, when you go to see somebody, you are going to be polite enough to even just to try it, you know, eat a little piece. Do you see my point? Religion is like that. It's like, I am in this capsule. And I am better than you because you don't do what I do. That's the religion that, that I am tired of. Now, also we know there is another scripture. James says, you know what is the true, pure religion? It's to help widows and orphans. And keep holy living for the Lord. I like that. You see, it has nothing to do with religiosity. That's why when I say, when you think about a Christian family, what is the idea that comes to mind? Unfortunately, for most people, Christians, it's just another weird group of religious people. Now, it has to do with religion. It has to do with faith and beliefs. Of course, it's got to do with that. Let's go to the root of this. Why are we called Christians? Because we worship Christ. Christ. I thought his name was Jesus. Yes. You are confusing me. What are you talking about? Well, Christ is something like a title. It's a Greek word, Christos, which is the same Hebrew word, Messiah, Hamashiach, which is the meaning is the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that will set us free. So when we say Christians, that means we are following Christ. 
which his name is Jesus. It's what the Lord Jesus said. If you ask the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit on my name, Jesus, the Lord Father will do it for you. Many things are contained on the name of Jesus. There is no other way to be saved, the scripture says, but in the name of Jesus. When you are in the midst of troubles and you cry out, Jesus, help me. You understand? Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the anointed one. When we worship Jesus Christ, then we can say, yeah, we are Christians. Are you religious? I'm not. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not. And it has nothing to do with things that people think, you know, like outfits or diet or certain traditions and stuff like that. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. A Christian family, as we know, the Lord created Adam and Eve, male and female. A marriage should be formed that way. A man and a woman is the biblical standard. What is what we have done in the world? That's an abomination, the Bible says. But again, everyone is entitled to live the way that they want to live. Do they live together without being married? It's their choice. Do they have children? Are children out of marriage here and there? We know the reality of this world. But when we say a Christian family, we know that it's, it's talking about a marriage between a husband and a wife. Right? So Ephesians, which is a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, he received from God the inspiration from the Holy Spirit to tell us simple instructions about how to live. So a Christian family formed by a marriage couple, married couple, right? Husband and wife, they have different roles. You are thinking, oh yeah, the one who works is the... No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. The roles that we are about to discuss have to do with behavior, with the way that you treat one another. Okay, so what is what... We know it's in the letter of Ephesians, to the Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 31. The first thing we know is that clearly states the convenience for every couple to have their own place. And why is that? Well, for many reasons. The first reason is because they need their own space to talk, to watch whatever they like to watch, to cook and eat whatever they want to cook and eat, to have their time private. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, when they have a fight, because having a, a Christian marriage, that doesn't mean that there are no fights and arguments. Oh, oh you, you don't have that? Wow, you, you amaze me. You amaze me. You don't have struggles in your marriage. You don't fight with your spouse. Awesome. I'm going to put you in this pedestal. Can, can I record your testimony and put it somewhere? <laughs> Come on, get it real. We all have arguments. Everybody ha has problems. 
everyone, every relationship, husband and wife, father and son, uh, in the workplace, where there is a relation, there is interaction. Interaction means trouble. So that is why a couple needs to have their own place, their own space. Do you see that? And guys, you know that very well. Sometimes financially is not uh, affordable. Sometimes the couple just begin and they want to be together. They want to be married. Then it's okay. They are in a room in the house with somebody else. And, and many of us have lived moments, you know, in life you have ups and downs. Sometimes things happen and you have to regroup and you are with the parents or the in-laws or whatever. Yeah. But ideally, a man will leave his father and mother and join his wife. And the two people will become one. For so many guys, this is one of their favorite verse. Because they will become one. I'm kidding. Do you see the point here? There is a need for the, for the couple to have their own space. But it's not just talking about physical space. Mainly, it's talking about the emotional place where you, my friend, with your spouse, you should have their, your own identity, your own culture. Because everyone fixes their coffee the way they like it. Yeah, but my mom this, my dad this. The couple has to talk about these things and through conversations come to some sort of agreement. I'm used to do this. I'm used to buy that. Well, yeah, because you were single. You lived with your parents. But now you are my spouse. Why is it that you have to call your mom or your dad for every single thing? You need to cut the umbilical cord. A man, meaning man and wife, will leave his father and mother and join his wife. It's a need to cut that umbilical cord, their psychological, emotional thing, and become one. That's why it's necessary for everybody to have a period of being by himself, learning yourself. If you are a single person, you need to learn yourself, define yourself, find your own identity in the Lord. And once you you have closure with your own disasters. Did you hear what I said? You have closure with your own disasters. Do you know someone that doesn't have traumas in life? Do you guys know anyone that doesn't have traumas? Because I don't. And the first person that comes to mind when I think about having issues and traumas and problems and horrible <laughs> stories and many disasters, the first person that I think about is myself. And then I think of my wife. And then I think of my children. And then I think of you all, church members. And then I think of everyone watching and listening because, listening because we all have our own disasters. And we need to come to peace within ourselves, with ourselves and with God to be healed, restored, transformed. 
to be kind of normal, you know, <laughs> with all these traumas and things kind of settled, you know. Once we are kind of okay, we are in a much better position to deal with somebody else that also has his own trouble, his own traumas, his own stories and difficulties. And then we are going to put in this beautiful package two troubled people. <laughs> Why do you think there, there is so much love at the beginning? Because we keep thinking, oh my gosh, finally somebody loves me. Because finally I find the person that I wanted to be with until the fights begin. The cleaner you are independently, better relationship you will have with your spouse. And that is why you need to take your time to get to know this person, to experience things in life like a little trip and many other things that you do with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, introducing this person to the family, going with this person to the store, cooking something, cleaning something, and watch how this person behaves. You know, sometimes we get so attracted by the outside of the individual, you know? So people, sometimes they say, wow, this girl is just beautiful. Some girls say, oh, this man is so wonderful. He's yummy. Yeah, the outside says that. But what about the reality of life? Doing chores in the house, dealing with companies over the phone, their ability to handle emails, computers, technology. What about somebody sick? Is this person willing to go and help? What about death events? What about incidents and accidents out there? This person is the kind of person that is able to handle the, the stress in, this, in, in that situation? Or is a crybaby? Is a little princess that is not able even to boil water? You see, you experience things like that individually. You have to learn to become independent. An adult, self-sufficient individual, taking care of your own needs. And then you will be in a better position to deal with all the disasters your spouse has because believe me your spouse your girlfriend your boyfriend is troubled maybe you think it's adorable you just don't know yet wait it's a matter of time one day boom <laughs> but when the two of you get healed restored clean and all that and they, you both have accountability to each other and to somebody else a mentor a leader then is when you really have left your father and mother and you're willing to join your spouse and then you will become one that is the meaning of Ephesians 531 now once we are there now there is a special assignment to the husband <laughs> and that assignment, it has to do entirely with love. Because that is the number one need of a woman. All of us need love. But particularly ladies. They are more sensitive than us. 
Not all, of course. There are ones that are just horrible. But the majority of ladies are more sensitive, more considerate. They are more conscientious about things. With exceptions, of course. But in general, the majority of women are really sweet. And deep down in their hearts, what they are looking for is a guy that is willing to love her. Regardless how she looks. Because, you know, for, for that pretty lady, that pretty girl that is so sexy and whatever. She knows that guys are after her and they will worship her. And, which is wrong, but it's not the point. That is one girl out of, I don't know how many. Majority of women, like majority of men. We are not outstandingly pretty. We have our good things and our bad things. Physically speaking, in our character. So, guys, we need to be aware that the number one thing we should do to our spouse, to our wife, is to show them love. And Paul gives us here a very clear example. He says, imagine how much Jesus loved the church. That he was willing to give his own life to save the church. That's the analogy he's giving us. So therefore, that is the question that we need to ask ourselves as a guy. Am I willing to do everything for this girl? Am I willing to leave all the women in the world for this girl? Am I willing to give all the money that I make to take care of this marriage and this girl? And provide for her future? That's the number one thing. Showing the love. It's not just that I love you. You know, you see a lot of guys that are very good to buy flowers and cards. Every so often, posts everywhere. Oh, he loves me so much. Another bouquet of roses and whatnot. I know everybody likes that. Everybody likes that. Attention, a little gift, all those things, jewelry, clothes, etc. But is that what a woman really needs? Flowers, really? Well, unless <laughs> you're talking about the funeral. Unless you're talking about the house that is empty and there is nothing there. Well, maybe then the flowers are going to make it. But in reality... It's not the flowers or the jewelry or the perfume or the car or the, nothing material. It's about the way that we guys treat her. How do you, my friend, my partner in the business of marriage, do you treat your wife? Serving her. Being patient with her. Dealing with her disasters. Working with her. Accommodating your schedule and your needs and your desires to work with her. That is love. And as a result of all that, she will love anything you will give her. Even if it's a simple little flower that you got from any yard. And you say, honey, this is for you today. It's not the stuff. It's what's behind it. Now, on the other hand, we have girls. 
learning and need of learning what is what guys need. And you know, most guys, although we need love, what we expect more than anything is respect. Because if there is something that a guy cannot handle right, especially in public, is his woman being disrespectful to him. Oh boy. And for some reason, it is absolutely outstanding for a guy when the girl comes and says, Hey, uh, would you like something to drink? I got you this glass of cold water with ice, but I wondered, would you like something different? And there is a guy that he's talking with, and he will say, Oh, baby, oh, babe, oh, honey, oh, sugar, whatever you call her. Thank you so much. Mwah. Water is fine. You're a doll. <laughs> and then he turns to see the other guy. He is like, how about that? Do you get it? But many wives, they refuse to serve their husband. They, oh, especially in public. I don't know. If he's thirsty, he can go and get it. If he's hungry, he can go and serve himself. Doing his laundry, I'm not doing that. Stinks. Doing this for him, doing this. No, I'm not going to do that. I work, you know. I make my own money. I make more money than him. Now, what the scripture says, a Christian family, the husband loves the wife. But the wife must be willing to serve the husband. And here's the analogy. The same way you, woman, serve the Lord. And that, my friend, is your problem. My dear lady friend, if you are not serving God, you are not going to serve your husband. You say you do. You must probably be doing things in the house apparently for him, but it's not for him. It's not. Because the number one thing is what's in your heart. If you are serving God from your heart, serving your, your husband is not going to be a problem. It's biblical. That's the Christian wife. Love and service one another. There is nothing wrong with that. Now, the Christian family eventually, hopefully, will have children. And here is the main problem with Christian parents. They don't understand the importance of learning to teach their kids things. Parents need to know how to teach. Now, if we go to 100 years in the past, <laughs> you know that communication was not precisely that good between parents and children. 50 years ago, it started to get better. But we know that the more communication we have with the children, more chances we have to succeed as parents. But in the process of communication, you know, my partner in the business of parenting, in communication, you have to speak and you have to listen. You have to ask the question and let the kid answer. And that will give you the feedback and the understanding so you can correct what you need to correct, but you need to correct the right way. The first mistake I see in many parents is they, especially in these days, 
They, they want to be so cool. They want to be their children's best friend. They don't correct the kids. No, sweetie. No, you don't do that. Okay, let me clean it up for you. No, 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 baby. No, you don't hit other children. Okay? I'm sorry. I apologize for my son. How old is he? 27. He's just, I'm sorry. He's learning. <laughs> You're right. Some parents today, they, they think that correcting kids is cruel. <laughs> It's hilarious for me to hear that idea from this new generation of parents. No, I'm not going to be cruel with my kids. Do you see this scar that I have here? My mom did it to me. My mom did this to me in the kitchen. You know how she did it? This, this spatula was in, in the oil, extremely hot, and she hit me with the spatula. Still, I hurt in the trauma that that gave me. <laughs> Do I want that for my kids? No, I don't. I don't want that. That's why I'm not correcting my kids. Now, if you go back to the story, you know what was happening in that kitchen? For many weeks, the mama had been saying to the girl, to the guy, please don't be around the kitchen when I'm cooking this stuff. I'm frying such and such thing. The oil is extremely hot and it's dangerous. Why you have to play here next to the stove? And she said that one, twice, three, many times. The mama already Hit in the head softly, the kid. He didn't get it. The, the dad one day yelled and said, Hey, get out of the kitchen. No. So after many warnings, one day the mama got tired and said, Okay, you don't believe me that this burns? I'll show you what is a burning with, with oil. So he got the spatula out of the oil. It was hot. and Okay, how about that? Cruel? Are you talking about parents being cruel? Well, let's go and watch the videos of parenting about 60 years ago, 40 years ago. There were many things that were cruel, but I'll tell you this. The correction was needed to show children what to do and what not to do. Some parents went to the extreme. I get that. But the wrong thing today is that This new generation of parents, they think they don't need to correct the kids because it's cruel. And that's even worse. Because they are creating monsters. Monsters that do not respect anybody. Anything. They don't respect God. They don't respect the house. They don't respect their parents, grandparents. They don't respect teachers. They don't respect anything. Because the parents say... I'm not going to be cruel. It's your choice. I'm not asking you to be cruel. I'm just asking you one thing. Learn how to teach your children. That's what I am saying to you. Learn how to teach your children. And the way to do it is through repetition. Repetition. In order to be fluent in a language, you need to learn 
and memorize more or less 5,000 words. If you learn 5,000 words and you memorize 5,000 words in, in another language, whatever language you want to learn, Italian, French, Spanish, Russian, Arabic, or I don't know, whatever language, Chinese, 5,000 words, you will be able to speak that language. And how do you learn that? By repetition, because you have to memorize the word and you say it again and again and again and again and again and again. Repetition is the way to learn how to play the piano, play the guitar. Repetition is the way to know how to do things, how to cook, how to drive. Repetition, repetition, repetition. How are you going to teach your children things? Repetition, repetition, repetition. I told him thousands of times, but he doesn't want to do it. Well, go again with the 2,000 time. Because that's your job as a parent, to teach. And in order to teach, you need to be kind. But you have to be firm. Do you see? Two hands, two arms. That is one lesson that I learned from my parents. My dad said to me, son, how many hands do you have? Two. All right. How many arms do you have? Two. Okay, which one is stronger? My right one. Very good. So with your children, you're going to use your left hand, your left arm by being kind and sweet, loving. You are going to be sensitive and patient. Get it? Okay. And then with your right hand, you're going to be strong and you are going to be firm and you are going to correct because your children need both hands balancing. If you are too strong, you're going to kill the soul of that kid. But if you are a wimp, you are going to destroy the soul of that kid. Balancing, affection, and discipline. Love, but also correction. Both things together are going to make you a much better parent. Now, what about the children? Ephesians 6.1 says, basically, that we children must obey the Lord and our parents. We must do what is right. That's what the Bible says. And that is why everything begins with the parents. Because if the parents are patient enough to repeat and repeat and teach and insist with the same idea, eventually kids are going to get it. Kids are going to be the reflection of your character. I am the reflection of my parents' character. I am the reflection of my mentor's character. I am the reflection of my teacher's, supervisor's character. I am the reflection of God's character. I just emulate. I just repeat. I just do what I saw people doing. Children are just a mirror. When you are, as a parent, a good example, your children will follow. And you have to do the right thing. Remember, two hands. All right. But what is the difference between a Christian family and other kinds of family? Do you know that? Well, they say, oh, because they go to church on Sundays. That, in that house, they are Christians. 
It's a Christian family. How do you know? Because every morning they, they go together to, I guess, to church. Oh, no, they are Christian because I, I see them with a Bible. They are going with a Bible. I, I think it's a Bible. Oh, they are Christian because I hear the music. They are Christian because this, because, ah, because they, they invite me one day to church. They, this and that. You know what is the, <laughs> the real key to understand what a Christian family is, how they are, is their behavior. Behavior. And I'm not talking about perfection, my friend. Who is perfect? Only God. Which is the perfect family, the Christian family, because they go to church? Oh, that family is the perfect family. It's a Christian family. Because they all are part of this church. The neighbors are like, mm, really? I don't think so. That's what they do Sunday for an hour and a half. But those people are awful. They fight all the time. They have called the police many times, calling one another. They do a lot of stuff outside. The noise on, on the night. They are so disrespectful in the neighborhood. Their dogs are making a mess everywhere. They don't want to help anybody. And you say that they are a good Christian family because they go to church? That means nothing to me, people say. But on the other hand, you see a family which behavior is outstanding. They are sweet, they are kind, they are nice. So people say, well, they are a nice family. And that is the desire of God. That a Christian family should be the kind of family, not perfect, but with a good behavior. Behavior, the way that they treat each other and they treat the people. I invite you to next Sunday, on October the 3rd, Worship Service 258, I'm going to be talking about discovering America. And it has to do a little bit with history, but also it has to do about with learning more about our country. Especially for those who watch and listen from other countries. We're going to talk more about discovering America. And what is what this country offers to everybody else in the world. All right. So we discussed this. The difference between a Christian family and other kinds of family is behavior. Where? How? Well, the first thing is how they manage money. You know, principles that the scripture teaches about handling money are very simple. It's about a budget, not being in red numbers, not getting into huge debts unnecessarily. It's about putting first the Lord, giving to the Lord what belongs to him, and also saving and not overspending just because there is an income. Money management. But if the couple... In the household, there is no good communication. They don't have a clear understanding of what is priority and what is not. They will have problems with money. And many couples, they have their own separate accounts, their own separate issues, financially speaking, because they cannot come to an agreement in money management. A good Christian family should be handling not just the money together, but 
the principles should be the same, even if they have their own financial statements, which is possible for many reasons. But the principles, my friend, the principles of the scripture about money management. The next area is children. How do they handle the situation with the kids? Again, it's all about principles that they share. The principles that I shared, for example, earlier. What about health? You know, a good Christian family, a good people, good families with good behavior, they take care of their health. They are healthy people. They try to eat healthy. They try to exercise a little. They move. They are not in the couch all day long or on bed all day long, every single day of the week. They move around. Do you know that your body was designed to move? If the Lord wanted us to be sitting down, he will not make us the way that we are. You know, the shape of our body will be like this. Hey, nice to meet you. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How is your day going? Excellent. You're walking today. Yeah, I wanted to stretch a little bit, but I'm ready to do what I am meant to be, you know, sitting. There you go. Do you see that? We were made to be able to walk and move. There are conditions, special conditions for people with illness and, and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not mocking people with problems. I'm encouraging you that intentionally do not want to move. You have to move, my friend. Walk around. Do things in your house. The health crisis that we live today it has to do a lot with that. Go outside. Breathe. Take a little walk here and there. The next thing is, in a Christian family, how do they take care of the elderly? How do they treat elderly? A good Christian family should be nice to elderly, to everybody, but particularly to elderly people. It is unacceptable for families that they don't talk to their parents because they are old or because they are poor, or because they live in certain places in town that you don't want to go to visit with. A good Christian person, a good Christian family, is also interested in helping out the elderly that are in need of money and other resources. And for those who do not have parents alive, they say, oh, praise God. I don't need to check that line. You are mistaken. Because always there is going to be someone elderly next to you. Because in life, the Lord will test you. How do you respond to situations like someone old in need near you? And how you handle that situation? Have you ever thought that one day you will not be old? My friend? Have you ever thought that one day you will be probably 70, 80, or 90 years old? Do you think that you are going to be dancing at that age, filled with energy, enthusiasm, great muscles? <laughs> I have news for you. It's going to happen. 
And then at that age, you will need help. Sometimes even help just to get up, help to buy groceries, help to cook. Christians should be nice to elderly, especially. And of course, there is divorce in families, including Christian families, sometimes previous administration, sometimes current administration, sometimes it's family, relatives, friends experiencing divorce. How do we deal with those things? With patience, tolerance, understanding. Being very, very understanding with everybody, particularly with the little ones that suffer in divorce scenarios. And how in the case of families that are currently fighting custody for the kids stuff, you know, it has to be a good understanding and not because someone is getting divorced. That means this person is not going to have a relationship with their own kids. No, they should continue that relationship. And the other one, the ex-spouse don't need to be talking bad things about this other one because the problem was between the two of them, not the kids. A good Christian person should be willing also to take care of kids that are not his or hers. They belong to a previous administration. <laughs> It's part of life in these days. And also a good Christian person should know what to do with work. You know, people can work if they want to. There is always opportunities to do something for somebody and make a little money here and there. Is that what you want? Go ahead. My suggestion, pick a career. A career is a trade. A career is not college education necessarily. Ideally, you should. You're going to live better. But sometimes it is impossible for many reasons. But in today's world, there are many ways for anybody to get access to education to, in order to be certified about many things and learn things. If you pick a career instead of a job, slowly you're going to start improving in your income and you personally will feel better about it. And then when for whatever reason the work, the employment ends, when you have a career, you still have an option, finding work somewhere else. You understand? Christians are loving and caring, but also intelligent to think about what is what they are good at, get the training they need, and succeed. And finally, a Christian family will have issues with religion. Which takes me to this point, my friends, where I say, especially to those that are single in these days, you better talk about their beliefs before you get married. Because how many families struggle with this? I am this and she is that. I am in this church and he is in that church. I believe in God. She doesn't believe in God. In my family, we all worship together on this day. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And then the children growing up in that context, it's a mess. Children don't know what to do, what to believe. So yes, you need to have in your conversations 
the talk about God. Who God is. Where is God? Who is God? Why am I alive? Do I really believe in all this, what they are saying? Do you? Having that conversation about your origin and your destination. You know, for us Christians, it's so easy to go through life knowing that the Lord is with us, that he made us, and we have a destination in Jesus in heaven. For those who don't believe that, that still today their, their hearts are closed to Christianity, to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they choose to not believe you know, somehow I admire them. I do. Because I think, how is it possible to believe that there is no God with so much evidence all over? And then how could I go to sleep knowing that there is no God, that one day I'm going to die and then that's it? What kind of life is that? What kind of hope do I have with that belief system? And there are others that they choose to believe that we are the result of aliens or the explosion or thinking about it requires way much faith to believe all those things rather than opening our hearts to say, there is a God that made it all. It's in the Bible. The story is in Genesis. And then the story keeps taking us to all these Bible heroes to Jesus dying for you on Calvary. And I, the only thing he's asking you is to open your heart so he will show you how much he loves you. Really? How difficult it is to believe that? That he is willing to forgive you? But in marriages today, it's an issue. That's why I'm saying to single ones, watch out for that. Now, what do you do? In the event that you are already married, experiencing these things. Oh, well, let's just start with this particular scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, now from verses 15 to 20. So be very careful how you live. Live wisely, not like fools. I mean that you should use every opportunity you have for doing good. Because these are evil times. Learn what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk, which will ruin your life. But be filled with the Spirit. Encourage each other with the spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a summary of what we have been talking about. The righteousness that comes from God to make us at peace individually, independently. So then we will be able to perform in such a way. Basically, you know what is what we need to do? All of us, everywhere in the world, we need to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be nice. I don't want to be nice, they say. Some people have an attitude, you know. I have two examples. One is a... Chameleon that is upset and says, I'm not going to change now. <laughs> the other is a bird stuck in the tree and says, I don't want to fly. 
The other is a fish in the shore, just laying there in the water and said, I don't want to fish. I don't want to swim. I'm sorry. I don't want to swim. What happened? Pain. Betrayal. You got hurt. But learning to forgive, forgive others, forgive yourself, asking God for forgiveness will help you to be nice. And one day by being nice, everybody else is going to be nice to you. That's the secret in life, my friend. Just being nice to everybody, being nice to yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Stop telling yourself how ugly you are, how this and that, how this and that. Stop saying the bad things about yourself. You should be your best friend. Learn to be nice to yourself. And you can be nice to yourself when the fish scales that we have, spiritually speaking, are being removed by the grace of God. And when you learn to be nice one day, everyone is going to be nice to you. Would you like to start all over again? To have a new life, my friend? I hope you do. You know what is the only requirement in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? Is to believe. If you openly say that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. This is the only requirement. So I invite you today to join me in this prayer. It's on the screen. Speak out loud with me. Say these words. Dear God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my parents. Thank you for all of them. I know that I haven't loved them the right way. I want to change. I need your help. Please forgive me. Lord, you are the one that I want to adore. You are my God. I open my heart to you, Lord. I confess my sins before you. I want to obey you and trust you and serve you forever, my Lord. Starting today, I want to see life and people exactly as you do. Please help me, Lord, to become the person you want me to be. Everything begins in this beautiful cross on Calvary where the Lord Jesus died for you and me. So, will you join me in this final sentence? Say with me, I am forgiven by Jesus. My Lord can do everything. His word is true and active in me. My life is going to be great and blessed in 2021. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile down on you and show you his kindness. May the Lord answer your prayers and give you peace. From Odessa, Texas, in the, name of, in the name of the Lord Jesus, my church, Victory Church, my family, I wish you a beautiful rest of your day. See you next time. for watching Victory Church, please feel free to contact us 
Our email address is info at vchurch.us and our phone number is 432-614-9798.